Hey there, this is Red Zone Redemption, a fantasy football podcast, part of the Roto Heat Network. Make sure you follow us on your preferred podcasting network. We should be on there. And this is your host, FF Shane B. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Thanks. Welcome to Red Zone Redemption. I'm your host for the night, Shane Barrett. You can find me on Twitter at FFShaneB. And joining me tonight is a guest that I'm extremely excited about. He's a football guy staff member and host of the Auction Brief. And the real reason we brought him on is because he's actually a practicing criminal criminal defense lawyer. It is the one, the only, Drew Davenport. Drew, how you doing tonight, man? That's quite an intro. Thank you. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, I I followed you. I can't remember when I started following you, but really dug deep into your stuff, especially around the Deshaun Watson case uh, last mm. year. And if you guys aren't following Drew on Twitter, which I'll I'll drop his handle in the uh, the show notes and whatnot. But if you're not following Drew, uh, you're making a big mistake because he will give you quality content, especially when it comes to players that get themselves in a little bit of trouble that I don't think you can get as good uh, analysis anywhere else. So, Drew, I think I'm done pumping you up now. You ready to jump into the show? Absolutely. Hit me. Cool, man. So we're going to do an NFC South uh, divisional preview. That'll start with a uh, one quarterback quick mock draft and then breaking down kind of who are the buys, sells, and holds of those uh, of that division. And what I want to start with first, though, is really a question for you, Drew, that I've got technically in the third part of our show. But how have you been able to apply your career and your day job to fantasy football? And what advantage do you think that's given you? Well, I think it's actually given me a huge advantage. There are so many people in the fantasy industry making content and trying to stand out. The fact that I was able to use the legal part of what I do in order to get a bigger following quicker has certainly helped me. I, I sort of lucked into that niche there because I didn't realize it was going to be something that was so interesting to people because frankly, I do it every day and it's kind of boring, but, uh, <laughs> but everybody enjoys it. So I've, you know, I've leaned into that and become the fantasy football lawyer, which, you know, that's great. It's uh, I, I like to think that I can still play uh, fantasy football at a high level and be an analyst of players at a high level. Uh, but, you know, I leaned into the, to the lawyer thing. And it's really helped me in a lot of ways, not only just to break into the industry, but going on shows and doing this kind of thing. I speak extemporaneously for a living. You know, I have to speak off the cuff every day, all day. So it certainly has helped me with my presence on podcasts and shows and things like that as well, too. Awesome. I I love that perspective. And the initial reason that I, I reached out to you to have you on the show was because we were waiting on a verdict doesn't feel like the right word so you can correct me there but essentially an outcome with the Alvin Kamara trial and that's why we're leaning to NFC South because he's obviously with the Saints and within that division but my last question for you before we jump into the mock draft part of the show is like with Alvin Kamara legally is there anything else that we can see that could get him into trouble because now it feels like at this point from a fantasy perspective we're just waiting on the league to give him some sort of suspension yeah, I don't think that legally there's any more issues. Now, it was it's important to note that they did not mention the civil case when they talked about settling the criminal case. So he's handled the criminal case. That's all behind him. 
but the civil case is still hanging out there. However, Roger Goodell has never shown the inclination to want to punish people about criminal or excuse me, civil matters. He doesn't like to step in the middle of those things. So I don't think that's going to affect him. I think legally the issues are behind him. Okay. And I've been saying this over and over, but David Chesnoff, the lawyer that he hired, one of the best criminal defense lawyers in the country, nice. did a fantastic job resolving the case, doing it as far ahead of the season as they could, getting the misdemeanor instead of a felony. They just, they did a, they did a fantastic job wrapping yeah. that case up. I don't know what the NFL is going to do at this point. I think they have to do something. The optics are pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, I still think we're talking about four to six games, but yeah, legally, I think he's okay at this point. Cool. And that was going to be my follow-up question. It was like, where do you, like, what do you see the suspension being? I think four to six makes the most sense. Could see somewhere in the six to eight range if Goodell's having a bad day, you know, but that four to six range really makes a lot of sense. It does. And I think that he could go up from there only because of the optics. I mean, one of the things that I keep talking about that people don't pay attention to is there's still video out there of Alan Kamara in the back of a rideshare vehicle after the incident. And I don't know if you've seen that or not. But oh, I have not. It is not pretty. So he, he was recorded in the back of a vehicle after the incident, laughing and joking about what they did to this guy, oh. about the punches he got in and the things he did. And it's it's pretty gross. And I'm sure Roger Goodell has seen that. So I think Kamara, you know, the big factor with Goodell and the league has always been, does he own it? Is he going to go in there and say, no, no, this guy said this and that's why we were upset or I didn't really do anything. I was just kind of on the edge of it or hanging out. So I, I think that, you know, he needs to come correct to the NFL and we could maybe see four games. Yeah. But if he keeps kind of saying, hey, this isn't a big deal or whatever, there's a video, it, it's nasty injuries. We could still see half a season here. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Drew. That's really helpful. And again, if you're not following Drew on Twitter, you're missing out on this kind of analysis and more when anybody gets in trouble. And so I know uh, Jordan Addison has some things coming on his plate that you'll probably be chatting with us about on the, the Twitter sphere. So all right, let's jump into this mock draft. It's a 1QB dynasty mock draft, NFC South players only. And Drew, as the guest, you get the first pick. So who are you taking here? So I wanted to clarify, is this dynasty or is this yeah. just redraft? This is dynasty. dynasty. Yes, sir. Okay. So I get the number one pick. I'm going to go right up the middle. I'm going with B. John Robinson. So I'm not a big running back guy in dynasty, believe it or not, but. I think that the talent and the position that he's in with that offensive line, that head coach, right now for the foreseeable future, for the next three years, which is the window I really operate in in Dynasty, Yeah, uh, Bijan's my pick. Nice. Is it bad that I forgot that he was available in this part of the draft? <laughs> it's more might because be. I forgot the Falcons existed. but It might be. might be bad, but that's all right. You can leave them for me. There's several yeah. Falcons I'll take. <laughs> Okay, so that leaves me on the clock now. There's like three guys here that I think I'm going to take uh, or that I'm between. So I'm going to go with the one that's not a teammate of your guy and go with Chris Olave. Okay. So that brings you up next. I think that's, uh, yeah, that's where I would have gone next. Okay, cool. Well, I think I have to go with the quarterback here. I There's a lot of guys I like, but I think I got to go Bryce Young. 
I love. I it. understand the limitations that he has, but I you got to give him a shot as the number one overall pick, and as a guy who had really high football intelligence and accuracy, all the things that you really want to see in a quarterback. The big limiting factor is the size. So, but I got to put that aside and and take a shot on a, a young quarterback, and if he turns into something, that's a massive dynasty asset. Yeah. So Drew, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm originally from Alabama. I'm an Auburn fan, so I, I don't like Alabama. I've softened on them because of my wife who's sitting over here. But Bryce Young has the one thing that I feel like people are underrating with him, and that's that football intelligence that you talked about. I've compared him a couple times on my show previously to Neo in the Matrix. When Neo really figures it out and can just slow everything down as much as he wants to, that's what it feels like to me when Bryce Young is in the pocket. So I love this pick. Thanks. And I think... You took Olave from me. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I think he's probably, from a dynasty aspect at least, the only QB that you really trust in this division that early. I agree. I'm going to go positional scarcity here and take your first pick's teammate and go Kyle Pitts. Just a little early, but Dynasty is still up there in the top, what, five tight ends? I don't think it's early. I think, you know, I think that he's still, you know, a stud that we have to, uh, you know, if they get a QB play, you know, QB to play some decent football, he's he's still going to be a great player. Awesome. All right. All right. Well, okay, this is going to be a little bit odd, but again, I think quarterback has such a big advantage in Dynasty that I'm going to go Derek Carr here. Uh, He's just newly added to the division. I had a couple possibilities here, but again, quarterback's such a premium position, and I still think Derek Carr has a lot of good football left. Dynasty managers tend to just get too worked up about a guy being old. Yeah. And Derek Carr, he's got a lot of football in him. So no, I Carr. agree. Well, and I, outside of Devonte Adams, and Devonte is not even like a deep threat necessarily. I don't know if Olave or sorry, Carr has worked with someone who's as good as a deep threat as Olave. And like I know he had Rugs, but I think Olave is such a better overall receiver than Rugs was that that's going to help him a lot too. So before I make my pick though, I do want to make sure you know it is one QB. Does that change your Derek Carr pick or are you sticking with it? No, I'm sticking with it. I I like to have two. In Dynasty, it's a little different. In Redraft, I'm not worrying about it, but Dynasty, yeah. Gotcha. Sorry, I took your guy. No, you didn't. I was stuck with Baker Mayfield. Hey, I don't know if you know that, but I'm okay with that. I'm actually going to go, oh, this is way too many Falcons for me, but I'm going to go Drake London here. I was hoping you wouldn't. <laughs> it was London or Carr for me, so yeah. that's our London, at least from a dynasty perspective, now there's some other good options, I think, and we'll probably get to talking about those, but London has such tremendous upside that he's the pick here for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they get even decent quarterback playing in Atlanta, London and Pitts are going to be values this year. Yeah. So... All right. Well, I'm going back to the veteran group again. I'm going with Chris Godwin as my next pick. 
because he, again, he's still young enough that he's got some years of football ahead of him. If I'm in that three, four-year window, I still like Godwin. Again, they have quarterback issues too, but he's a good enough player that he's going to fight through those, and their quarterbacks are good enough. So, I like yeah. Him. Well, I was uh, I was listening to Good Morning Football or watching Good Morning Football this morning, and they were talking with Sarah Walsh actually about the Buccaneers quarterback battle. And compared to last year with what Baker had to deal with, this is the most time that he's had with a team in the offseason since Cleveland. Because um, with Carolina, it was middle of the offseason when he was traded. And then obviously with the Rams, he had, what, four hours to prepare for that game. So I'm a, a, probably the only Baker truther that's still out there. Now I've, I've softened on how gung-ho I am on him, but I still think, at least from a fantasy perspective, I still think he can be a serviceable uh, fantasy quarterback. And he's got Chris Godwin, who you just took, which is, I, I love that pick. So now I'm up and I'm going to take a player that is so, so far not my, my player. Like I don't have a ton of shares of this guy, but I think he's got a good shot at volume and he's still young enough from a dynasty perspective that it, I, I like this pick. So I'm going Miles Sanders. Okay. I like it. He was going to be, I, I've got two running backs that I consider to be right here in this range. So my next pick would be Kendra Miller. It's okay. either one of those two, because I feel like, you know, Miles Sanders is still young enough. He's just turned 26. I believe he's got a few good years ahead of him, but Kendra Miller, he's going to have to fight through a couple of veterans to get a whole lot of playing time. So I think the optimism for 2023 may be a little bit out of hand, but I think as a dynasty asset, he makes sense. No, I completely agree with that because Kamara is, I think, 27. And typically we see running backs drop off at around their age 28 season. And I can't remember what his contract situation looks like. Uh, I think I think Jamal Williams came in either on a one-year deal or a three-year deal but he's 30. And so Kendra Miller, I think is an awesome, awesome dynasty asset. So I, this is a great pick. I thought, however, you were going to talk about another running back who I'm going to take here. And that's Rashad white, which is also not a pick that I would normally make, but with this division and kind of who the running backs are that are left, he's the one I think I'm most comfortable with, especially since you took Kendra. Okay, so we do we have one more round? Or? Yeah. Okay. One more pick each. All right. So this is tough because. Mm. Okay, you know what? I'm going to go with the rookie. I'm going with uh, Mingo and Carolina. Nice. So that's my. It's. I have like four guys I want to take here in the last round, but I think I'm going with Mingo. I don't know if I buy it yet, but we're certainly hearing some good things. And I think you got to give it a shot for a guy that they apparently like. Yeah. I promise this isn't just for the laziness of they went to the same school, but the Jonathan Mingo hype reminds me of the DK Metcalf hype. Where, and now I like, I really liked DK Metcalf when he was coming out before all the hype because I just knew that from his play in the SEC, like he was going to be good. But the hype around Mingo reminds me of that. So this is a great pick. But you left me a conundrum. Do I take QB just to, you know, fill out the roster? 
or do I take the person here who's a veteran that I think is the absolute smash pick here? I don't know which one I'm going to do, but just to stick with my absolute fandom of him, I'm going to take Baker Mayfield here. Probably not the right pick, but uh, I got to stick with my boy here and go Baker. Instead of Evans, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Evans is a weird, he's in a weird spot because he has been in the league a little while now. But we all also know he can do it. So, yeah, yeah, that's a tough call. So, Mike Evans would have been my pick here if I didn't choose to just fill out the roster. So, before we jump into the buy, sells, holds, and sleepers, based on the results of our draft and kind of and me taking Baker specifically, like, I guess who do you trust more as a quarterback going into the 2023 season? Is it Baker Mayfield? I guess we'll throw in Kyle Trask or Desmond Ritter of the three that were left? I think I'd probably give the slight nod to Baker. I do agree with you that he has, he's had some difficult roads to hoe here. And when they put the, I guess, for lack of a better way to say it, the bumpers on, uh, like, you know, that you put on a bowling alley yeah. for little kids. Uh, when they had the training wheels on Baker with uh, uh, Kevin Stefanski's offense, he really seemed like he hooked into that and it was good for him. Yeah. And I think if somebody can find that, and I think Sean McVay found a little bit of that with him as well. Mm -hmm. So I think he's limited still, but at the same time, I think that maybe he's, you know, the hate's gone a little bit far. So I give the nod to Baker and what's that? I said, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just, I'm not sold on Ritter. Uh, The things that I've seen about the throws he made at the end of last year, I don't think he's any better than Mariota was. I think Taylor Heineke is going to be playing before the end of the season. Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's jump into buy, sells, holds, and sleepers. And then if we have time, I may ask you some of those additional questions that I got on, got on the show sheet. But basically with this, like you can use the mock draft we just did. You can use your own rankings. You can use ADP. But we'll start off with you. Who is a buy for you in the NFC South? Well, I'm going to take two guys that we just talked about. Okay. Both guys from Atlanta. Okay. Drake London and Kyle Pitts. They're absolute buys for me because the talent is there. The ability is there. They just need quarterback play. So I think that's the perfect kind of buy. When everyone else is feeling kind of meh or feeling like there's limitations there, that's when you step in and you grab who, you know, you just bet on the talent and you worry about the rest of it playing out later. One of the traps that I fall into too much is worrying about what's going to happen down the road. Yeah. Things move so fast. The NFL changes so quick. Yeah. When I look at some of the things I thought last summer and some of the things that happened last year, it's crazy. It's wild where we've come in just one year. So London and Pitts are my buys. Cool. All right. So I'm actually going to work in one of those questions from later now. How long have you been playing uh, fantasy football and if you want to specifically dynasty as well long time on fantasy i've only been doing dynasty a couple of years so i started playing fantasy football in 98 so okay. this is i think my 25th year playing nice and yeah it's kind of crazy i'm old uh but uh, yeah so uh dynasty it's only been a couple of years i got an invite from ryan mcdowell to be nice. in the kitchen sink league and I couldn't turn him down, and I hadn't done a lot of Dynasty up until that point. And I said, oh, man, I'm jumping in with Curtis Patrick and 
you know, <laughs> Ryan McDowell and all these guys who are just dynasty beasts. Yeah. And I, you know, I made the classic beginner mistake. I thought my team could contend from the beginning. Uh-huh. And so I went out and made a bunch of moves to try to win right away. And then had yeah. like 47 injuries and my team was just atrocious oh, by the end of the year. No. So I, mean, I kind of sold a little bit. No, I, like I sold CD Lamb because it's a super flex and I had no quarterbacks. So I'd sold CD Lamb and ended up with Russell Wilson. You know how that went. Although when I did it a couple of years ago, he was fine. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fallen apart recently. But so, you know, my dynasty, like don't come to me for being a expert at dynasty. I play, <laughs> I feel like I'm not an idiot, but I'm not an expert. As far as fantasy football though goes, 25 years, I consider myself an expert at the number of reps I have in fantasy nice. in general. Very nice. And we'll probably talk about this a little bit later too, but your favorite, at least from what I can tell on your, your Twitter and the, the show that you host is auction, right? Oh, hundred percent. Cool. Yeah. I, I saw somebody actually today, I don't know, I forget who it was that said, Hey, I, I just, Oh, it was Luke. Luke saw Yeah. Yeah. He says, I just got a confession. Uh, I don't like auction. And here's the thing. It's okay if you haven't played it a lot or whatever. Yeah. But how you can not like three hours of just like, it's just a three hour chess match with your opponents. Yep. And just like, when should I bid? When should I call this guy out? When, when, you know, should I bid an extra dollar? Should I not? Like that is just so fun. And I always explain the same thing when people say, why auction? I explain it like this. And this, this is an illustration for you snake draft people. You know that feeling that you get when you get to make a pick? Like, okay, it's three mm-hmm. picks away and you're getting kind of excited and like, okay, who's going to be left? Who am I going to take? You walk up to the draft board and put your sticker up there. Or you click the draft button or whatever. That little surge of adrenaline, that little bit of fun mm-hmm. that you have in those moments right there, that's how the entire auction is. Yes. That's, you, you feel that way the whole time. So who wouldn't want who wouldn't want that feeling for the entire draft? My, the league that I joined with Jay Felicio, uh, I think I'm going on year three of it now. It's what we call our, our, our home league is auction and keeper. And, uh, it's my favorite draft. Like, so like going into my third year, like I'm just excited for the draft because the other thing I'll get, I'll give you an analogy. Maybe you can tell me if what you think about it, but like when you go to snipe someone, like, you know, that this person's a fan of player X, Y, Z. And then you go and either nominate that player or you go and outbid them for that player. Like there's, oh, there's just a little bit of the petty side of me that just enjoys that part. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's great because you can use, I say everything that you do in snake drafts, you can multiply in auctions. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing I say is why wouldn't you want to do an auction? If you feel like you're good at fantasy football and you know what you're doing, why wouldn't you want to multiply that advantage, which is what I think an auction draft does. You have people who are the most informed, the most able to think on their feet, the most able to compare players and situations and roster scarcity and all that stuff. That's the people who are going to win the auction. And that pushes your advantage. And to what you're saying, when you're sitting in an auction draft room and you know that a certain player or a certain manager likes this player, you can easily play that to your advantage. Whereas in a snake, you may know it, but you may not be able to do anything. Yeah. So auction allows you to really jump in there and just hammer people. I I love that. I want to be a killer in the auction room. I just love it. Yeah. 
Awesome. Okay, so I'll give you guys my buys now. And I, since Drew took two, I'm going to take two, uh, specifically because one of mine's a little older. So I'm kind of thinking contender versus rebuild. And I really, the, the second one is almost a, a contender as well. But from our draft, it's, it's a glaring thing to me that Mike Evans is still a buy. Like you talked about with, with Pitts and London, you bet on the talent. Yes, he's 30, but he has, I think, the record, if not close to the record, of consecutive 1,000-yard seasons since being in the league. And he provides something to Baker and probably Trask, if Trask gets any starts, that I don't think either of them has had in their career. And that's a true like jump ball, go-get-it specialist. So... I think that does for your quarterback is gives you a little bit of room for error because his catch radius is going to be so large. And then my other guy is one that I took in the draft, and that's Miles Sanders. Yes, he's 26, but with the way that Philadelphia ran their offense, specifically their running back room over the last two, three years, I don't feel like he was heavily, heavily loaded down as a true workhorse back. We're going into Carolina. I think he's the clear-cut number one, got a ton of opportunity for volume, and he's got two usable years at least as the starting running back. So I'm taking Miles Sanders and Mike Evans as my buys. What you think? Well, so I'm not a Miles Sanders guy, so you might be asking. I'm not either, to be honest with you. I just yeah. think the value is there right now. Yeah, I think that... Uh... I'm really going to be interested to see what Carolina does with him because I want, I want them to lean into his pass catching a little bit more than Philadelphia yeah. was able to. Because even though Sanders had a nice year on the ground, he still didn't score that well as a fantasy asset. And so that's what I'm concerned about. Now, if that happens this year and they're saying, hey, uh, we're going to use him that way, then I'm, I'm going to eat crow because I don't have a lot of Sanders and I don't anticipate having a lot of him. But if they do that and they bring that part of his game out, uh, wheels up for Sanders. No, I, I'm with you there. My, my issue with Sanders previously has been that he's three yards in a cloud of dust for 90% of his game. And then in, let's say, four games a year, he breaks a 60, 70, 80-yard touchdown run. And people are like, oh, my God, he's great. And I'm like, no, he, he sucked for 80% of the, the year and then blew up in one or two games. Now, last year was a, a bit different. Like you mentioned, he actually had a good year on the ground from a total aspect, but that's always been my complaint with Sanders, at least. So I'm, I'm with you on what's Carolina going to do. It makes it terrifying to watch him. Yeah. Because you're sitting there in the third quarter, and he's got uh, nine carries for 28 yards, and then he breaks off a 75-yarder. So, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's an interesting one, that's for sure. All right, who are you selling in the NFC South? Selling. Well, the first one right out of the gates, Alvin Kamara. I'm, I'm completely done with him in any format. I think that there's going to be a suspension coming, at least for part of the season. We already talked about that. But he wasn't that great of a fantasy asset anyway. Last year, he had a monster game against the Raiders. The Raiders gave up the most receptions and most yards receiving per game to running backs. They were the worst in the league. And they gave up a monster 43-point game to Kamara. You take that out of the equation. I know a lot of people say, well, you can't take out the big game. And I say, that's true. If he had had multiple big games, 
that'd be a poor argument. He had one. He had one all year. Now, he had a couple games that were reasonably decent, 18 to 20, whatever, at the beginning of the year. Yeah. But he had seven out of his 14 games were in single digits. It is just, it's not, Sean Payton and Drew Brees are not coming back. He's 27 this year. I just think that this is a, a, a classic sell. And then the other guy is, I know that some people might disagree with this one, but it's Rashad White. And it's not that I don't like White. It's just that I think that there's going to be more competition there than we think. One of the things yeah. I've been pounding the drum about all summer long is that if the backfield situation looks too good to be true for your favorite guy, it probably is. And I've been saying that about Dallas, about Tony Pollard, oh, that I they're going to bring somebody in. <laughs> I've been saying it about, about Arizona. I've been saying it about New England. There are just situations where now, maybe these guys are okay. Like, for instance, in New England, they're saying, well, Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris, they're going to get their shot. Well, that's code for if they don't step up in the next couple of weeks in camp, here comes Leonard Fournette. And that's the same thing that's going on in several backfields. If you think it's too good to be true, it probably is. And yeah. for Rashad White, I think that's true. They're talking of Sean Tucker already. Now, I thought he had a heart issue that was going to be a problem here, but maybe that's been resolved. But the the bottom line is, I don't know that Rashad White has a stranglehold on this job. And if we are drafting him where he is, it's because of the volume. And if yeah. suddenly a veteran is added and that volume gets whacked, his ADP is going to crater and his value is going to crater. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. I've been, despite taking him in, in our mock draft, I've been very tepid on, uh, on White. If I've got him in a dynasty league, I'm trying to sell him just because I'm I'm not totally sold. And one player that you didn't mention that they brought in was Chase Edmonds. And now I know Chase Edmonds isn't a sexy name, but I think he's only 26. And we know that he can fill a pass catching role. Because when he was in Arizona with James Conner and even um, before that, I remember specifically that he had one season at least with Arizona where he had three, four, five catches a game like clockwork. So we know Edmonds can fill that role. So if that's part of what you're factoring in with White, then I think you need to potentially reevaluate. Yep. I'm a you know, I'm a Chase Edmonds fan myself. So nice. So my cell, I'm gonna get a little creative here, and that's Bijan Robinson. And the reason for that is people already have him as Dynasty RB1. So unless you're a contender, and, I, and I'm going to give you the caveat too, that let's say you're a contender and you think you can contend for two, three, four years, then I'd be selling Bijan Robinson. So if you're a team in rebuild and for some reason you haven't done your rookie draft and you've got the 101, I'm selling it. If you already drafted and you take, you've taken Bijan Robinson and you're either in a rebuild, or you've maybe got one year left to contend, I'm potentially selling Bijan Robinson uh, to just gain the haul that you can because people love him. And he hasn't, he hasn't set foot on the, the field yet. I know, like, the kid's fantastic. He's going to be great, and he's going to have a ton of volume, I think. I just think unless you're in that, sit, that perfect situation where you think you can contend for three years or at least two, then you might want to consider selling him just because of the haul that you can get. Whoops, how'd you have mute there? Yeah, I, I don't disagree with the logic there. 
And I'm certainly not a running back guy in Dynasty, yeah. even despite the fact that I took him number one in our in our little mock. But yeah, you, you had to. I'm just not a Dynasty. I'm not a running back guy. It, the, the, it changes too quick. There's too many guys out there that you can get production out of that I'm really sinking my money into quarterback and wide receiver. All right, we're moving on to holds in the NFC South. I like to flip it around here and let me uh, let you get a little break, and I'll go first here. The problem is, is I got to figure out who we're holding from this division. You know, I'm I'm going to take the guy, the quarterback that you took because I think it makes sense. Uh, kind of like you were talking about earlier, I'm going to hold Derek Carr. I I don't think that. He's that sexy, young quarterback asset that you can get a ton for if you're trying to trade him uh, away. But he's also a guy that, like, if you want to buy him, he's not necessarily going to be the cheapest option. And he's going to produce for you. Like, he's, he's going to be consistent. So if you have, like, let's say we had your team as an actual fantasy team and you had Bryce Young and Derek Carr, I would love that pairing or Derek Carr and Anthony Richardson. Like, somewhere where you've got a little bit of volatility with maybe a younger quarterback, Derek Carr's that perfect asset to hold just steady and while that pers- that other QB finds their feet. So I'm holding Derek Carr. Okay. I've got two names for you. Hit and me. they're guys I already talked about. One is Kendra Miller. Yep. I think that the hype on him for 2023 may be a little bit much. Having said that, Tyler Algier was in a similar circumstance last year where he wasn't necessarily going to be the guy to play a lot. And then down the stretch, he ended up being PPR RB7 over the last six weeks of the season last year. So Miller could end up in a situation like that. We know Camaro has the possible suspension. And Jamal Williams, for all of his 17 touchdowns last year, he's not a special player. Do it. So... <laughs> He's not a special player. I just don't, I don't think that, that, so I'm holding Kendra because I'm a little concerned that the hype is too much for this year for dynasty, love him long-term, but even for this year, I think there could be some second half relevance there. And uh, I really would want to have him on a roster. Uh, The other guy I'm holding is Chris Godwin. Again, I'm concerned about the quarterback stuff, but I still think that he's young enough that he's got good football left in him. I still think he's, extremely I, I still think he's an elite pass catcher last year he started to show more of that at the end of the year coming off the acl he's not going to be two years removed from the acl hold on to chris Godwin. yeah i love that and what i was uh egging you on to say about jamal williams was i went and looked back the other day and he's only had one stellar season and it was last season with the 17 mm-hmm. touchdowns yep if you look at the rest of his career, it's been average at best. It's had flashes, just nothing sustained. Exactly. And so that's, uh, if I'm a Jamal Williams manager, like that's a concern for me, especially for this year. But with the suspension coming for Kamara, like he's a fine handcuff, especially if the, the suspension is four games. Like I'd probably start Williams for those four games. Because like you said, unless Kendra Miller blows up in camp, I don't know how much he's going to get in the early, early games. So I like your calls there. I would almost add Chris Godwin to my holds as well because I like that call a lot. 
So now we're going to jump into sleepers for the division. And I'm trying to decide how deep I want to go here. Because there's, there's a lot of options, I feel like, in this. I'm actually going to give you three names uh, really quickly. Uh, two of them are Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it's going to be Sean Tucker and Rakeem Jarrett. Uh, I really liked Rakeem Jarrett, and that's a really, really deep sleeper. But with Evans and Godwin both being 27 and, and 31, I think, respectively, there's room for a third pass-catching option or a future pass-catching option. I think Jarrett has got plenty of route-running ability in him to be that guy if he gets on the field. Sean Tucker, we already talked about it with Rashad White. There's, what's the word I'm looking for? We'll call it mysteriousness in that backfield of like, what is going to go on? Is Rashad White going to be that workhorse back? Is it going to be some type of committee, which that's probably every fantasy manager's least favorite word when it comes to running backs. But Sean Tucker is talented enough, I think, to steal work away from, from White, especially long-term. And then my third one, I'm going to go a little bit older. I'm going to go DJ Chark because we don't really know what's going on with that Carolina receiver room. Phelan, Mingo, Chark. I'm probably forgetting somebody else. But I think Chark is, one, he's only 26. He's six foot four and fast. What's not to like there? His issues in Jacksonville ended up being around health. When he was healthy and played, he was good. So I really like Chark as a sleeper, especially for this year. Okay. So, well, well, hey, you did forget one guy in Carolina, and that's the guy, one of the guys I'm going to pick as one of my sleepers, and that's perfect. Terrace Marshall. Yes. So Great pick. Yeah, uh, Marshall, you know, he, he wasn't amazing when they gave him the opportunity last year, but he started to show flashes of what they thought they had in him. So I want to see how he develops this year. I'm not all in on Marshall by any means, but I've certainly been clicking the button in the last round of some best ball drafts mm -hmm. to see if he can do something. And I really particularly think that you never know who a quarterback's going to care about. We don't know who Bryce Young's going to click with, who he's going to like, what routes he's going to like. That's the kind of thing that just, you just have to close your eyes and pray and yeah. take a sort of shotgun approach at the guy, at the pass catcher center. And that's yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah, that's um, the guy, yeah. The other guy that I'd pick is Rashid Shahid in New Orleans. Nice. This, this guy also flashed when he had the opportunity. He didn't get many opportunities or many targets. But if I take away the target requirement from uh, Pro Football Focus's uh, yards per route run, Shahid pops up there in the top 10 at 2.54 yards per route run. Now, I know he didn't have a lot of opportunities, but 2.54 is a monstrous number. And I know that that's a little bit uh, uh, skewed because of some of the long catches that he had, maybe one long catch and run that he had. But, you know, when you can put up a two and a half yards per route run in that offense with that competition, I think Shahid is somebody that we need to be paying attention to. Yeah, I, I like that a lot, especially because after Olave, who else is there to catch passes? Like, yes, they've got Michael Thomas, but Michael Thomas, like, the wind could blow in his toe will heart and he won't play. So who else is there? to catch passes you know they don't have a lot they don't yeah. have a lot Traquan smith's still on that roster at really? you know? 
Ooh, yeah. A.T. Perry's another deep sleeper that I, I like. Yeah, I I actually took him in Dynasty in my uh, Dynasty auction. I've, I've got Perry, but I, I'm not as down on Michael Thomas as everyone else is. But the only reason for that is because the price is so palatable at this point. Yeah. It really has nothing to do with the player or thinking that he's really going to be something special. Uh, but I'm just looking at their depth chart here. Yeah, Traquan Smith is their number four. So that's that's a Shahid pretty three. thin. They got Shahid as the three. So wow. That's a thin, thin wide receiver core. So Smith, A.T. Perry, James Washington is now a saint. He from uh, Brian Edwards and Kiki QT. Oh, wow. This this is, wow. Lynn wow, Bowden. Like, what a weird depth chart we've got here. The ghost of fantasy wide receivers past is that wide receiver yeah, room. That's pretty. Wow. Okay. Wow. All right. There we have All it. right. Well, that wraps up our buy, sells, holds, and sleepers. I got like three more questions for you if you got time sure. as yep. part of our analyst analysis. I've sprinkled a couple of them in throughout the show, but now I got three more for you. They'll be pretty quick and pretty easy. First one is, who's your favorite NFL team? Well, I am actually a Steelers fan, believe it or not. Okay. I have season tickets. I uh, waited 20 years and three months to get season tickets and finally got them a few years ago. But I tell you what, the longer I'm in the industry, the less I become a fan of a certain team just because I'm having to study every team all day, every day. Uh And I watch, you know, when I watch football on Sundays, I'm not really turning on the Steelers unless I have fantasy interests. So just haven't, haven't been as into them when it gets playoff time. It's more fun. Regular season. I just can't live and die like I used to. Sure. That makes sense. Okay, so then on that note, who's your favorite player on offense? And what I typically do, if you want to, as I ask all-time and right All-time, I'm going to go homer on okay. all-time. Heinz Ward. Nice. Everybody who's not a Steelers fan hates Heinz Ward, and I get why. <laughs> but he was just, he was one of my favorite. I've got his jersey. I'll always love Heinz Ward. But right now, I almost tweeted this out the other day. I is sit around and think about the days of the NFL after Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. He's just an exciting player. He's an awesome, you know, he seems like a good person. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, I just don't know that I've seen many players like him in my life. It isn't just that he can play quarterback well. He's just an amazing athlete playing quarterback. And yeah. I, I get sad when I think about the NFL without Patrick Mahomes. And I know that's like 10 years down the road, but that's me. That's, that's how I am. I, I love the crop of young quarterbacks. And I got real nervous oh, when we were too. losing Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and some of those guys. I'm like, oh, what are we going to do? But, you know, we're in great hands with Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. And, and those are the guys I, I just love watching them. I just love it. Yeah, absolutely. My wife, who is a Chiefs fan, and she's sitting over here and she just said, this guy knows his stuff. <laughs> that is for sure. So nice. All right. I'm going to flip it on you. I don't, do you play much IDP? I played zero IDP. Never tried okay. it. All right. So I'm giving you a challenge here then. Maybe. Who's your favorite defensive player? And same thing if you want to, all time and right now. Well, the all time one, again, is easy. It's a stealer, but it's Troy Palomalo. Ah, I saw that. I one just, come. yeah, I've never seen a guy that affects a game like he did when he was. I mean, I know that there is an argument to be had for several safeties when you say, but Palomalu was just a, a special player. Right now, though, so I could go Homer and say T.J. Watt, but that's that's not really true. 
Minka Fitzpatrick is exciting to me too because uh, because of uh, his sort of game breaking ability. But honestly, one of my favorite players is Derwin James. And nice. I wish the guy could stay healthy, but I just I love how he plays and he plays so hard. He comes down in the box and really hits people. I think Derwin James is an underrated player that people don't talk about enough. But uh, I love I love watching him when he's on the field. Awesome. I yeah, I actually am in a dispersal draft right now that includes IDP and I just took Derwin James. So I like that call. I just need him to stay healthy, just like you just said. Yep. All right, last question, then we'll wrap up. What is one thing you want people to know about you outside of fantasy football? Well, I don't make it a secret, but I am obsessed with surfing. So surfing. I know it's weird because yeah. I live in Ohio. There aren't a lot of waves to catch in Ohio. But uh, I ended up, I was, I, so I lived with uh, my best friend in the world who lives in Hawaii. I lived with him in college. He got me into it. And this is a long time ago before the interwebs were a thing. Uh-huh. So we followed Kelly Slater and we followed nice. by magazine. We would get magazines and hear how he was doing. And then eventually it became a thing where they were putting all the events online. So I started watching it. And I can't find a sport that has more drama, danger, real life, uh, you know, rivalries and, and just the way that these guys feel about life and the attitude that they have about the world and everything. It's just really where I fit in. So I fit into that attitude about life. And I've always just believed that uh, I shouldn't be living in Ohio and that I should be <laughs> I, sh- I was born a surfer in a uh, landlocked Ohio body, but you know, someday uh, I've made a conscious choice, believe it or not, to stay in Ohio with, because of my family. And uh, my wife has always supported me. I've got two little kids. She said, if you want to move, we can move. Uh, so we contemplated the idea of moving to Hawaii, uh, but we decided against it. You know, both our parents are getting up there. Mm-hmm. So I think that maybe that changes a little bit if they're not around. I just can't rip my grandchildren, uh, my children away from, from their grandparents and, and yeah. vice versa. They, they would, they would lose it if they lost their grandkids. So, uh, but yeah, that's what I would say that I'm, I'm a surfer trapped in a, a fantasy football analyst body. How about that? Drew, I think that's my favorite answer of that question that I've gotten. And that was, that was awesome. So thank you. And friend that wraps up the show. What I like to do here is just give you a minute, let you plug where, where can people find you? What are you working on? Anything like that? Yeah, I've got two things that I'm really pushing this summer. Uh, one is my Patreon channel. That's uh, patreon.com slash fantasy football lawyer. And I've got, I've pulled some of my legal stuff behind the paywall there. It's only three bucks a month. I tell everyone you can find 12 quarters. You roll out of bed and spend $3 before you even think about it. So if you really want the legal takes, I put that behind the paywall. I'm trying to uh, monetize that a little bit for the amount of time I spend on it. So patreon.com slash fantasy football lawyer. But the other thing, of course, yeah, my original, uh, my baby is the auction brief podcast. You can find that anywhere you get pods. It's a different kind of show. I like to say, because we talk a little bit about life and we talk about uh, auction drafting and we talk about legal stuff. So that's unique. But then I also have guests on that. We talk uh, hard hitting player analysis as well. So we really get it all. And I'm really proud of the show and it keeps growing and I hope to, uh, you know, keep that going. Awesome. And where can people find you on Twitter? Twitter's Drew Davenport FF. And uh, my writing is over at four for four and football guys. Awesome. 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 
thank you again very much for coming on. Like I mentioned early, early in the show, I appreciate your legal analysis more than you know. Like it's, it's, I really enjoy reading it too, not even just from a fantasy perspective, but the legal aspect of it is really enjoyable to me. So I can't give you enough compliments. Maybe I can, but on your content, like I truly, truly, like you're one of my favorite follows. So please keep doing what you're doing. Um, I appreciate that. This has been another episode of Red Zone Redemption. Thank you guys for listening. Like Drew, you can find our show pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. I've worked really hard on that. And I really appreciate anybody that continues to listen. You can find me on Twitter at FFShaneB. We've got one week uh, left to sign up for Polly's Playoff, a tournament to end Alzheimer's. So go to Polly'sPlayoff.com to do that. It's a super flex tiered PPR tournament where we're trying to get up to, I believe, 240 people. I think we're sitting around the 150 range. So we got some work to do in a week, but we can do it. And ultimately, this has been Red Zone Redemption. You can find the show Twitter page at FFRZ Redemption. And this is the Red Zone Redemption, where we help you make the moves to redeem your fantasy season.